Here's the big question. What if you had to start over from scratch and build a business with limited time and resources? Maybe the economy just pulled the rug out from under you, or you're in a business that's underperforming or a career that's going nowhere. How would you flip the switch to go from where you're at to where you want to go? A profitable business that supports your family and allows you to live the life you were meant to live. My name is Jason Liu, and each week I'm going to bring you guests that are further down the road while documenting my own journey. Welcome to the business of feeling good. So welcome everyone. My name is Jason Liu and welcome to another episode of the business of feeling good. And I'm honored um, that we actually get the time and the pleasure to connect with Diana Davis. And she's an incredible individual with a background in graphic design and made the transition into really photography. Um, She has an incredible business right now where she's really helping solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, side hustlers, as well as people that are looking to be brands or partner with brands, um, really get their message out there. And she has an incredible following of individuals that love her work as a photographer, but also in this space now that she's transitioning into teaching how to get your word out there, how to get your brand out there. And it's incredible to see the work that she does. Please get a chance to go check out her Instagram page. Um, She is a force to be reckoned with. But Diana, thanks for taking the time to hang with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm stoked to be here. (laughs) So let's start. We're going to jump. So it's not going to be completely linear today, but I'd love to kind of dive into the side of this transition because a lot of this podcast centers around this idea around pivots and Mm -hmm. people in this transitional space of trying to figure out where their path is and where they're going. So I know you have a really interesting journey um, because you start it with the intention to start in graphic design. Yeah. Yep. Graphic design was the original go-to, and I was always an artist. I've been doing photography since I was literally a kid, but professionally since I was 16. And I knew I couldn't, or in my mind, couldn't get a fine art degree and make a living. So I thought graphic design was kind of the answer there. I was always really into branding and logos and how brands portrayed themselves. So I figured that was the answer. So that's what I went to college for. I ended up getting a minor in photography, just kind of haphazardly, like may as well. Didn't think I could make money at it. And then um, did graphic design and photography for a long time, actually in Montana, where I went to college and then decided I needed to move to New York. So I set everything down, left everything behind and ended up moving to New York without a job or a plan. So what was, what was that pull to New York? Because it's this incredible experience. I'm here on the West coast and obviously San Francisco isn't New York, but there's always this pull. Like I've got to get to New York. What was the pull for you? Uh, Well, (laughs) a little tidbit about me is I grew up on a ranch outside of a town of 500 people. My dad is a cowboy Um, that could have been the pull a little bit where it was like total opposite from where I grew up. Um, but I even had the nickname New York when I was in high school, like on my volleyball team is super weird. I hadn't even been there, but people were like, she's a city girl. Um, I don't know. There was just a pull. Yeah. It was just like intuition. But I, I think that definitely stems from being complete opposite of where I came from. Got it. Yeah. Beautiful. So you got to New York with this idea of, I have no plan. I have no idea what I'm going to do. Yeah. Um, what, how did it pick up from there? I 
got advice from my brother who is a recruiter and I stopped applying for jobs because they were just going into the abyss. And I started serial connecting on LinkedIn and connecting with anyone at jobs or companies that I thought I might want to be a part of Wow! and just asked for their advice. So I didn't ask them for anything, but their advice. I told them I loved their resume, their story. This is where I'm at. I'm trying to get to New York from Montana. You know, no one's going to relocate me there. I've got to figure this out. I only have so many months of money before, like, I'm going to have to have three waitressing jobs. So through that, some people were very, very generous. And I um, ended up getting to Manhattan and actually physically meeting up with a lot of them. Wow. And a lot of just genuine conversations led me into getting a job at one of the biggest publishing companies in the world, which was Time Inc. at the time. And now they are Meredith Corp. And at Time Inc., um, what what did you end up? Did you step right into graphic design or what was the what was that kind of pathway for you? Yeah, kind of hilarious. So if anyone's familiar with the publishing world, especially in New York, they take a lot of shortcuts. Um, to try to not pay health insurance, to try to pay people very little and things like that. So when I first was offered any sort of position there, I'm just going to be really honest with numbers. They offered me $20 an hour and three days a week as like a freelancer. I cried when I got that offer. I thought it would be so much more. I'm in New York. I'm not in Montana anymore where like 20 bucks an hour isn't that bad. Um, I negotiated, ended up getting 30 whopping dollars an hour. I went there for the three days a week. They asked me to be there as a graphic designer. So I was working um, in native advertising. So when you see an advertisement that looks like an article, it's native advertising. They try to really weave it in with editorial. Um, So that's what I was working on. And basically the first week I said, Hey, you guys, I'm working on all these projects. Shouldn't I be here on Monday? Like you say, I should be here three days a week, but I think I need to be here for five. And so they were like, uh, I guess. Yeah, sure. So I automatically got the five days a week. I will say it was very hard to get a raise there. It was a permalance position. So it's technically freelance, Hmm. but guaranteed 40 hours a week, but no health insurance and no benefits. Wow. So that was a whole wild ride. It's an interesting industry. Yeah. So you find yourself in this space was, where was the big breakthrough? Was there a project that really maybe cemented the fact that this is the place I need to be? Or was there a project that like lit you up that like, this is amazing. Like I want to do more of this. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think from the very beginning, I knew I didn't want to be in corporate world forever but I knew I had a lot to learn. And the thing was, I was a very talented graphic designer. Like I could do everything they needed me to do. Yeah. As soon as I learned it, I was good to go. I raised, you know, got through the ranks and became an art director very quickly. However, still couldn't get a raise because of the publishing industry being what it was. Um, and just knew there wasn't anything that was like lighting me up, except that I was learning how to be a business woman. Mm. Like I was learning all these things that I wouldn't have learned in Montana. I was Mm. learning how to communicate with clients 
how to present to big corporations, how to manage people and all of that. So I was like, you know, as long as I'm learning this extra stuff, this works for me right now. But no, projects weren't lighting me up. I was working on stuff for like Ford and Geico and Starbucks and like companies I do not care about. So no, no projects were lighting me up, but the learning process was really great. And the connections were really great. And I knew eventually I would leave, but I didn't know where I would go. So what's interesting about just hearing your journey is you almost, not, I shouldn't say you almost, you, the way that you connected yourself into the community, the way that you went out and said, I'm going to figure out a way or find a way, I give you a lot of credit for. It's incredible because I think there's a lot of, I wish this would happen for me. I wish I was so lucky mm-hmm. to, to have this deal. And it's, it's incredible to meet people like yourself and people that have been successful in different spaces. And the trend always seems to be, it's like, if you want to be at the table, you've got to find a way to show up in the room. Like you just have to get there. And it sounds like, if anything, that's been a huge theme when it comes to the early part of your career. Yeah. I mean, when a fire is lit under your ass, you have to make it work. Like it's only on you. No one's going to come save you. I heard a really good podcast yesterday where they were like, you've got to be your own superhero. No one's coming to save you. So that's so, so true. And New York really put me in that fire. Like you either have to make it or you're going home. So you better make it. Yeah. Yeah. So I know during this time that you didn't touch a camera, like you didn't touch photography while you were at Time Inc. So what was the point where you're like, I need this again, or I rediscovered it again? Yeah. Um, Corporate life. That was my first real corporate job. Before that, I was at a startup, a food startup in Montana, where I literally was everything. I taught cooking classes. I was the photographer. I was the graphic designer. I packaged salts, like all sorts of jobs, right? And I was so invested in it. My heart was so in it. Yeah. And on weekends, I'd look at my email and my weekend would be wrecked because something would happen. You know what I mean? I was too invested. So corporate life taught me, well, let's be real. Creatives in New York with corporate life come in at like 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Leave at like 6 because <laughs> no one, we don't need to be on a call with anyone. Of so 10 a.m. to 6 and then I'd leave it. It was done. I didn't have work email on my computer or my phone. I left it there. I wasn't emotionally invested anymore. And so that let me have boundaries outside of work, which was the first time I learned to do that. Like mm-hmm. weekends can be mine and they can be for something besides work. Um, however, because of the energy I was spending at work, which I think a lot of corporate America people can relate, I did not have the capacity or energy to do anything else creative or work-wise on the weekends or at nights. Like I was just, nope, I need to rest. I'm going to watch Netflix. I've worked too hard today. My energy is spent. So I didn't pick up my camera the entire time I was in publishing. I was thinking about renting it out, which is wild because I've literally had a camera attached to my hip since I was 16. And so when I finally started thinking about doing photography again, I actually had been poached over to Hearst, Hmm. which paid me double by the way. And that was the first time I realized I could make more in New York, which is wild because no one would talk about it, which I'm also very passionate about talking about money and pricing. 
Um, but I went over to Hearst. They just being totally honest, they created an art director position for me. Wow. And then four months later, they eliminated it. And it was the best day of my life. <laughs> I was so miserable there. And it was such a stepping stone for me. Um, I knew this wasn't the end goal, but I didn't know where else to go. And I just needed to get out of this timing kind of toxic, wouldn't give me a raise type of place yeah. and see the other side. Mm -hmm. So when I was laid off from Hearst, it was like being pushed off the cliff and I wouldn't have taken that leap without being pushed. Yeah. So that's when I finally was like, you know what, I'm going to try this entrepreneurship thing. And I had just started getting into the wellness circles of New York, which is totally my jam yeah. and starting, you know, hanging out with yogis and nutritionists and all these amazing female entrepreneurs in that space. And I had been asked to do a yogi photo shoot for Instagram. And that was probably the first time I picked up my camera again. And then I've never looked back. So here we are. And so I know a lot of people would love to have some sort of a entrepreneurial journey. And obviously you were very talented when it came to photography and graphic design. Mm -hmm. And that was your jam. That was your space. You had this photo shoot. What was that process of, or maybe what translated from this corporate career that you had of making connections and building networks? How did that translate back over to this new entrepreneurial journey once you had this photo shoot? Yeah. I mean, one person leads to five, those five people lead to five more each, you know, it's word of mouth is huge. So networking and not being afraid to put myself out there has been absolutely crucial. I am a business coach now. And something that I teach is networking. Like literally you have to network. I don't care about your metrics on Instagram. Yes, that's important too. But if you don't have people and connections and word of mouth going around about you, it's not going to happen. So networking and shooting with people and hanging out with them and going to events with them outside of those shoots. And um, another networking group that I really love that I was actually invited to the day I got laid off is called Six Degree Society. Hmm. And they do an event around like, a subject, right? Like a, a topic, yeah. but then they do two match networking. So you and I would be at that event and then we'd go into a breakout room and just you and I would one-on-one -on -one talk for 15 minutes. So it kind yeah. of eliminated that awkwardness of networking, yeah. um, which I hate going into a room full of people I don't know. Yeah. So if I can do it, all of you can do it. But yeah, networking was huge. Just getting myself out there, reaching out to people cold, like, Hey, I, here, you know, this person that I shot with, I'm offering a discounted shoot. I'm trying to build up my portfolio, you know, just putting yourself out there again, fire lit under your ass. Like you got to do it or you're going back to corporate life. And you ended up securing some really incredible brands and really yeah. incredible people that you've worked with. Do you mind talking about some of the big ones you've worked with? Yeah. So one of the first really big brands that I've worked with was Native, which is a really cool story. So if you're not familiar, Native is a natural deodorant and I personally use them and love them. And I would absolutely consider them in the health and wellness space. I posted about them on Instagram. Um, backing up, I started caring about my Instagram the minute I got laid off. So mm -hmm. 
that's been like just a slow trajectory of consistency and caring about it and putting myself out there. Um, I posted about one of the deodorants I was working with that was no longer available. This scent that I loved, Rosé. It's a Rosé deodorant, you guys. I know you can judge me all you want. (laughs) Oh, that sounds amazing. (laughs) And it was a seasonal scent and they, they were out of it. And so I posted this boomerang, like, I can't believe how sad I am that I have this like carcass deodorant and I can't get it again. Like, I can't believe I'm this upset about my deodorant. So they respond and they're like, sucks to be out of a good thing. Like we get it. And then I responded and said, no, but really, like, if you have this in back stock, I will buy it. So we started this whole organic conversation and they ended up looking at my profile realizing I was a photographer and asking if we could talk about some shoots. And then they were one of my biggest clients at the time. Wow. So that just happened organically. And that's also something I teach like dating in the DMS, especially when it's not purposeful, like it's literally organic and so genuine can get you so far, like really sharing what you love and working with brands you love. Um, so that was a big one. And then something that was huge for me, was also research in pitching that project. I thought Native was like a mom and pop situation. They got bought out by Procter and Gamble. Wow. Obviously, I pitched a very high price for that because of that company. Mm-hmm. And I have worked with a lot of other um, Procter and Gamble under their umbrella companies since then. And it's one of those things that you have to do your research. You have to know the company inside and out and really pitch them correctly. So that was huge. And there's been a few others. Um, I've worked for like FabFitFun and Athleta and a lot of really fun companies that it's just been a wild ride. They all came from different places and they all came from different avenues of connecting. That's incredible. So I want to go off the rails a little bit because I want to learn a couple things. So when it comes to pitching here, when you're doing your research um, on a company, are you looking for core values? What are you looking for when you're, because obviously, I shouldn't say obviously, but when I look at a company, I would like, what would everyone, most companies I would think want to know what's in it for me in the sense of how is this person going to help me show up more significantly? How am I going to look better with this partnership? Um, when you do your research, what are you looking for? That's a really good question. And something I say a lot now that you know my corporate world background is I didn't like leave and stay out of corporate world to work with shitty people and brands. <laughs> like good. I want to be inspired by people. Yeah. And if I'm going to work for myself, I'm going to work with people and brands that I feel inspired by. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's huge. And I think Native was absolutely that. But any of these brands that I'm working with, do I resonate with what you're doing? Do I resonate with your mission? You know, is, are we aligned in the health and wellness space? And the health and wellness space is something that I chose to get into because I'm inspired by it. The people in it, whether it's Reiki or nutrition or clean deodorant, I get really passionate about this stuff. Like I could talk to them for hours about how they got where they are and why they started And a lot of people in the health and wellness industry started because of their own journeys. Like they're creating something they needed for themselves and they knew other people needed it too. Hmm. So there's definitely a service going on in that health and wellness industry. 
so that's kind of why I niche down into that space a lot of times. And now with coaching, I'm working with creative entrepreneurs. Like that means a lot to me. And there, I know their core values because I am that. I am a creative entrepreneur. I know it's coming from a heart space. And we want to give our gifts to the world for free, but we have to charge for them and all these things. So yeah, core values are huge. Um, and corporate world didn't give me that at all. How do you battle at times or do you battle at times? Or is it a clear line of like, I want to work with this company. I love their product, but they're owned by a larger conglomerate or they're owned by a huge umbrella company. Does that ever come into play? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I still think, for example, I work for New Chapter Vitamins, which used to be a, they're still based in Vermont, but it was like this hippie couple who was kind of nerdy about science at the same time that made this vitamin company and they got bought out by Procter and Gamble, but they're still running with the same core values in my opinion and running with that culture. And to be honest, like, yes, Procter and Gamble, like whatever, like they're the big dogs, right? Like I don't really care about them, but the people running that company, each individual that has a job and on that team, those are the people that I care about and they're passionate about the product, even though they're ran by this big corporation, you know, they're still trying to get that mission out there. And when I connect with that person on that team, which I've been so lucky to connect with so many amazing individuals on really big brand teams, that's when it kind of aligns still. It feels like a smaller company or team, even though like there's a big dog hovering over the top of them. When you look at these companies and they come to you and I'm guessing I could be wrong. This, these are my words. Like they come to you for traditionally photography and how our brand is forward facing, how, what it's representing. What do you see that most companies before they work with you miss, especially the, not the major corporate companies, but the smaller ones that are in that, Mm -hmm. I don't want to say infancy stage because they have a brand they're up and off the ground. But when you, when you work with these companies, what I, I should say from my own work, I feel like there's certain areas where they're just unclear about their messaging or where they're going. What do you find or where, where are you typically pointing these companies? Yeah. One of the first things I always talk to companies about and something I teach as a business coach as well, is what's your story? Mm. Like, tell me, like, what's your story? And we talk about that. And maybe it's this company that I work with called Mighty Monkey, that there's these gluten-free, amazing, like amazing gluten-free cookies that are sold in over like 30 Whole Foods across the U.S. I know. And no big deal. (laughs) And I'm talking to them about their story. And she's saying how she found out she was celiac when she was, you know, 30 years old. And she's in finance and she's stressed and all she wants is a freaking good gooey cookie, but she can't have one because she's going to these stores and she's gluten-free and she's paying $11 for a cardboard tasting cookie and to start making her own and give kids who have celiac, like the chance to have an ice cream sandwich, you know, like something they never would have experienced. And so those things are so important. And I think brands miss that. They're just like, let's get good product photography out there. We want our brand to really pop and we want to show what we're all about. 
but what we are all about is the story behind like how you got started and why you're passionate about it. So a lot of um, companies that come to me for product photography specifically, I really push them to show their face like, oh yeah, we should definitely shoot those cookies, but we should also shoot you, the creator, because people hire people and we've got to know who's behind the brand or you're just another cookie brand, right? So that's a big part of it. I think that brands miss is like the people behind the brand. Even if it's like a Procter and Gamble owned situation, we want to know who's behind it. Like, why do we care? Where did this start? I want to know that it was started in Vermont by like this hippie couple who's really into herbalism. That's cool to me and makes me want to buy them over another vitamin company. So really telling that story. That's incredible. How does it translate into photography? And maybe it's, I shouldn't say as simple, but maybe part of it is obviously showing their face, but Mm -hmm. how do you get that story to shine or to be more front and center? Because like you said, people by people. Um, So how does that, do you think about it in storytelling and storyboarding? Like how does that come through? I think photography is just one small aspect to a whole marketing campaign, you know, Mm. their whole marketing plan. Yes, photography is really important. Yes, it's important to get good product shots and pictures of your face is like big, right? And a lot of people don't want to do that. So that's like step one. But then it's what you do with it. Are you writing an entertaining caption that actually, you know, educates the reader? Are you putting out emails? with these photography assets, but also that has text and headlines that really bring people in and tell that story. It kind of comes back to my corporate career of publication design. It's all editorial. You can't just have an image and let it speak to you. And you can't just have text and let it speak to you. It's a whole dynamic. And so getting on Instagram stories and showing the behind the scenes and sending out really professional emails and being relatable and announcing things that are going on in the brand. And also maybe you're doing a print advertisement over here or a billboard, but it's all telling a story somehow and creating that brand recognition. So it's photography is just one tiny piece of the puzzle. And if it's not used correctly, it's not like a magic potion. Like if you have the perfect photo, you're going to succeed. It has to be utilized with all these other pieces. Interesting. So you spent time, obviously, being a photographer, getting hired by brands, building this business, and then 2020 happens. And did you think about entrepreneurship or teaching entrepreneurship before this year? Was it always there or what? That's a big jump. Like it's a big jump to go from, it's my business, but I'm going to stand not behind the camera anymore. I'm going to stand in front of this room and teach communities and you built this course called camp camp clarity sorry and i never can say it either (laughs) camp clarity (laughs) we're designing names it's so funny we're designing names on a side note diana and i know each other because we're in a course together we're designing names and everyone's going back everyone's watching like should i rebrand is there a new name i need to go to right right now yeah (laughs) people love camp clarity but i say it's a tongue twister for sure um So did you know that you were going to go into this space or was it something that you've been contemplating? I think my intuition knew. I think my mind was like, who do you think you are? (laughs) That's insane. Um, I have, because I took a lot of leaps 
without a net. Um, a lot of people who have quit their corporate jobs or wanting to go full time on their side hustle and wanting to take those leaps have been coming to me for these three years that I've been an entrepreneur full time and wanting to pick my brain. How do I do this, Diana? How do I find an accountant? Do I need to pay quarterly taxes? How do I invoice these people? Do I need to start out with a contract? How do I get clients? Like, what do I do on Instagram? Do I need to have two Instagrams, one for my personal and one for my bit? Like all of these questions that I loved having these conversations. Um, I will say with all those logical questions and answers, there's a lot of woo-woo thrown in. I'm a very woo-woo person that follows her intuition a lot. And so if you ever work with me, be ready for that too. Um, but those things were, they really filled my cup to be able to help these people in some way and mentor them a little bit. But I didn't realize I was doing it. I just thought like, I'm just meeting with people and chatting and it's fine. So I think I always knew I was going to do it like innately, but I didn't know up here in my brain. <laughs> um, so one of the things that was always pushed on me is to teach photography. Diana, you need to do a workshop on photography. We want to learn like so many photographers could learn from you with product photography and how to use your camera and that kind of thing. And I always pushed back and I was like, I don't want to be known for that. I want to talk about entrepreneurship mm -hmm. in general. I think that's so much more important, so much more widespread. You can YouTube how to freaking use your camera. And honestly, I'm not a techie person, so I'm not going to be the person to teach you that anyway. So I pushed for that a long time. Um, and then when the coaching thing happened, there was even a push for like, have a course about photography. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't want to have a course about photography. I want to talk about entrepreneurship because there's so many facets to it. And I don't, I know so much more than just how to take a photo. Yeah. Um, yeah so I guess I knew, but I didn't. I resisted it for a very long time. Can we talk about the um, the intuition side and the yeah. how my words, not your spirituality or how intuition plays into the world of entrepreneurship? Because I think that there's this beautiful blend that's beginning to happen and more and more people are kind of coming around to this idea that these two worlds intersect. Yeah. How does it work for you? Or Yeah, um, earlier this year, so if anyone's an entrepreneur, and I think Jason, you can probably agree with this. It's a fucking roller coaster. <laughs> like it is extreme. Yeah. And there are very high highs and there are very low lows. Yep. And even from a day-to-day -day basis, I can be on a very high high and then know I'm going to be on a low the next day. It's almost like I've learned that my serotonin is just going to be depleted and the next day is just going to be rough. And then there will be three months stints of that where I'm in this anxiety hole in this scarcity mindset of things that are coming in. I don't have my website. Perfect. It's not done. I'm not putting myself out there correctly. I'm, I don't have the money I need to make. How am I going to fill these gaps? All of the above. And then it's a vicious cycle of validating that story and making it true. So there's so yeah. much spirituality. You can do spreadsheets for years and never be a successful entrepreneur. I think because there's so much intuition in it. And a lot of that's knowing what's aligned with you and your business. 
And I don't think there's like, you know, a chart to figure that out. I think a lot of that is in your body and telling, you know, you could have this dream project in quotes, dream project in front of you. And it could be the worst, most detrimental thing to your business ever. Yeah. And the only way you know that is by listening to your body. So intuition and spirituality and following my own road and path has been huge. And I think one of the things that I finally figured out this year is that I'm allowed to wing it. And that's beautiful. If I can wing it and be successful and follow more of that like feminine energy versus this masculine goal setting, quarterly numbers, all of this stuff, if that works for me, that's allowed to work for me and to lean into it instead of trying to make it more like a business should be according to society. Oh yeah. So there's, yeah, a lot of controversy and a lot of like people that are very uncomfortable by this and I get it. Like it's hard. So spirituality is huge in entrepreneurship. I think it just gives people a different tool to come at it is what, if what I've found this year, at least is that there's always the traditional analytical way to look at a business. Yes, you can look at profit and losses and you can look at numbers and charts and Excel sheets. And then you have the side, which is very acceptable to look at personal development and personal growth. And that's great as well. But I think when you start blending it as well with other ways that work for you, for, so for some people, it's beautiful. Like if you can go to meditation or do breath work or do spirituality or whatever gives you another tool to be able to handle this roller coaster of a ride because you're right i've had the swings of it's been a year and a half of just like i don't know what to do with my life like i have no clue what's going to come next um and that's where i was before we had a chance to connect was i have no idea what the world is going to look like or how i'm going to show up and so i think it's great when entrepreneurs are able to talk about what worked for them just to give people permission to try and to create new spaces where just move, move in some way. Like if yeah. even if it's not the right step, right? Move in some way. Yep. Totally. Totally. And I think, like you said, it's not going to be for everyone. Like there's no right or wrong answer to anything in entrepreneurship. So you just have to really feel it out and play in the sandbox a little bit and not look at someone else's test. Do your own test. You know, um, one of my friends has a quote that it's like you're, we're all copying off of each other's tests, but we don't realize everyone has a different version. You know, uh, it's like, that's not helpful to look at someone else's story and to be like, I have to be so structured. This person is being so structured because forever I was like trying to literally hire a business coach so that I could stop winging it. I was like, I feel like I've been winging it for the last three years. And you know what winging it has got me six figure business. Like, what, why, why do I feel like that's wrong? But society is like, you have to be so structured. And how are you just leaning into your intuition? You have to like have hard goals and, you know, projections and all these things. And it's like, you know what? That doesn't work for me. And that's okay. It might work for you. And that's the beautiful part. It's what's right for you. Mm-hmm. And that's all that matters. Genuinely. Totally. That's all yeah. that matters. Talk to me about Camp Clarity here and a little bit about what has been most surprising about this current class? Because are they currently wrapping up right now? Where, where's your yeah, class? Yeah, we, 
we have a couple weeks left. We're wrapping up um, the beginning of November, which is really exciting. So Camp Clarity is a 90-day course for creative entrepreneurs. And there's 18 wonderful creative entrepreneurs in this first round. And what's really cool to me is they are literally all over the world and all types of creative entrepreneurs. So we have photographers and graphic designers and writers and artists, but also yoga instructors, a ballerina, like all sorts of different people who are looking to make it on their own, right? And so what's also cool is they are from all around the world, like I said, so Denmark, Paris, New York, LA, Atlanta, Denver. Um, and the community is the huge part of that. Like I said, your network is everything. Like word of mouth is everything. Collaboration is everything. And if I've learned anything in the last three years, it's to not compete. And what's neat is, yeah, there's several photographers in this group who do the exact same thing, but they're getting advice from each other instead of saying, oh, but she might steal my client and I can't give her this advice because someone else might hire her, right? They are all collaborating and sharing information openly. And this has been one of those situations where I've started this engine and it's just taken off. Like the feedback they give each other, they're like essays. Like, I don't know how long you're spending in our Facebook group, <laughs> but you guys are really giving each other some great feedback. Um, and I'm hardly having to do anything. Like, obviously I'm coaching and doing all these things and guiding the group, but what an amazing group of people who are just ready to collaborate and be open and vulnerable. It's been really cool. And I think that's one of the biggest values of this course is the community, just like the course we took together. Look at us now. Yeah. It's everything. Yeah. Like that was one of the equations, especially as someone that's maybe like you, that was always so used to relying upon self, like I'm going to yeah. get it done or I'm going to find a way, or if I don't do it, no one's going to do it. And I don't think I really took enough stock in the power of a community and what it means to have people not just hold you up, um, but to see you in a different light was really interesting because we're so used to our container. Everyone sees us a certain way. And then we go into this new container. And it's like, wow, people see gifts in us that I never quite saw. And I don't know if that's similarly as to what's happening right now in Camp Clarity, but that was, that was, that blew me away this year. Yeah. That just gave me chills. I totally agree. Um, it's the community is a huge, huge part and entrepreneurship can be really lonely, you know, especially being a creative entrepreneur, a lot of people don't take you seriously. Like I go still to uh, time Inc happy hours and cause I love them. They were like my family and it's also really good to stay connected with those people, by the way. <laughs> um, but I go to those and they're like, Oh, it's so cute. What you're doing. You seem so busy. You, you're happy. We're good. here. Yeah, that's great. And it's like, you have no fucking clue what I'm doing. And you don't care. And that's okay. Like, you're yeah. I'm never going to convince you, but I'm probably making more than you are right now. So we're good here. Like, and I'm just, way happier. Yeah, yeah, I'm way happier. And I don't have this crazy creative director with a thumb over my desk saying, you know, you need to stay here till nine o'clock and work on this shitty Geico project. Um, I hope no one's listening from Time Inc. right now. Anyway, but it's so true. It can Good be Good thing so we're not lonely. sponsored by Geico. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
we just cut that out. No, I'm just kidding. So entrepreneurship is lonely. You need people who get it. That's flat out. Like you need people who get it. Your partner isn't often going to get it. Your friends aren't going to get it. You need people who are literally going through the same stuff so you can have this support group that can lift you up. It's everything. How do people get into your world? Like how do they find a way? And I recommend everyone finding a way into Diana's space. She has such an amazing, I think, attitude when it comes to not just entrepreneurship, but setting boundaries, staying true to who you are, um, valuing who you are. And what's the best way for them to either find out about the course or at least get into your space? Yeah, I'm an open book. I'm very accessible in my opinion. Um, So (laughs) I do have my boundaries, but I'm very accessible. Instagram is the best way. I am the one woman show behind that Instagram and uh, it's Diana Davis creative. Like, come on over and shoot me a DM and tell me you heard Jason's podcast. And I would love, love, love to connect with you. Um, The next Camp Clarity is starting technically in January of 2021, but it is launching in November. The doors are opening in November. So if that's of interest to any listeners out there, the doors will be opening. There will be some early bird specials and such. But if you tell me you came from Jason, um, we can chat they'll raise the price on you um (laughs) (laughs) a thousand more dollars thank you um no it's it's uh diana does incredible work please have the opportunity follow her instagram look at the obviously the beautiful photos but take a deeper dive because she really does take a different approach to through creative process, really helping creative entrepreneurs. And if you have any interest in her course, I couldn't recommend it more. She is an incredible coach and she will serve you um, in incredible ways. So Diana, thanks so much for hanging out. I'm so glad that we had a chance to do this and spend time together. Me too. Literally the best part of my week. And I genuinely mean that. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for being on. We'll catch you on future episodes, hopefully. I'll talk to you soon. Right. Bye. Thanks again. I hope you guys grabbed some great value out of today's conversation. If you want to further the conversation, I'd love to meet you personally. We've got a free Facebook community that you can dive into, free content, more resources, and I do lives every single week where I get a chance to interact with you and help coach you on exactly what you need. If you want to find it, you can find us at The Business of Feeling Good, or you can search the hashtag BOFG. Again, that's hashtag BOFG. If you like this episode, please share it. I'd love to hear from you. Your comments, your reviews truly mean so much to me. It's the lifeblood of what keeps me going. And it's how I craft the content that's better going to impact you. I look forward to seeing you guys on the next episode. Until then, cheers. Cheers.